Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Kelly is the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency in Phoenix, Arizona, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. She has a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. She was adopted when she was three days old. She was born to a teen birth mother raised in a closed adoption and reunited with her birth mother in 2007. Our goal with the Birth Mother Matters and Adoption podcast is to spread awareness and education about the beautiful choice that is adoption. So adoption, like everything else, there's good points and and there are some bad points with anything. I think it would do a disservice to our listeners to only focus on the positives. Because like with anything in life, there is an upside and a downside to certain things. Our hope in addressing these issues today is so that you can be as educated as possible. And if these issues were to arise in your adoption situation, you would have the tools and the resources to immediately jump in and tackle that issue or problem. And if you are not having or haven't had any of these issues, then hopefully you can spot them the minute they arise if they do so. So there was a study done in 1982 called the seven core issues in adoption by Sharon Kaplan Rosia and Deborah Silverstein. And they addressed seven issues that they found in adoption. And these seven core issues can be experienced by all members of the triad. So again, that's the birth mother, birth father, adoptive mother, adoptive father, and the adoptee. The issues that they found and focused on were these loss, rejection, guilt and shame, grief, identity, intimacy, and master control. So what has happened since this was published in the early 1980s is that other um, studies have been done and they have built on to this original study that, that occurred. And so I think what we'll do today is go back and look at the core issues and see how we can kind of tie them in and what somebody in the triad may experience if they experience one of these issues. Now, again, I want to be clear that this does not mean that every member of the triad is going to experience every one of these issues throughout their lifetime. They may experience some, they may not experience others. They may experience all or they may experience none. If you're going to have issues and you've been adopted, these are some of the issues that you may encounter. And that's how we need to look at it. All right. So the first one that they bring up is loss. And loss is an exceedingly important issue. I do think that it is a very common issue for every member of the triad. So when you look at birth parents, clearly the loss that they're experiencing is to raise their child. They are letting another mother, father, couple raise their child. So they are handing over their child and responsibility to another party to raise. That's a huge loss. Again, there are other factors in loss that a birth parent may experience as well. An adoptee experiences the loss of having their biological parent raise them. An adoptive parent, be it mother or adoptive father, 
may lose the ability to know all of the medical history, have that genetic link, that component. They may not be able, because they cannot share their own biology with the child, that may be a loss for them. These are some examples of loss. This is not all-encompassing. This is not all of the loss that may be experienced. These are just some some examples. To give um, people an idea of, like, for instance, I'm sure a lot of people would go, well, how would the adoptive parents have a loss? Yeah, and this kind of lets them know, yeah, there there are ways that you would feel a loss. You also wouldn't get to experience yourself as the adoptive mother labor and delivery. You may right. be in the and you may get to experience it that way, but the actual physical act of labor and delivery, that's not something that you're going to get to be a part of. Right. I would say that loss is probably, of all of these, maybe the most significant. And, you know, with loss comes grief. Rejection. So looking at rejection, let's start with the birth mother again. Mm -hmm. uh, the birth mother may feel after she has placed her child with the adoptive family that there's not as much communication as she would have liked. She's not able to attend the holidays as she had hoped to. Maybe she's not able to be a part of the child's life to the extent that she had originally envisioned. And she may be taking that as rejection. Her family may not be in support of her adoption choice, and she may also experience rejection from them. With the adoptee, depending on, you know, how adoption has been explained, what they know about their adoption story, which again, bodes very well for open adoption, because in open adoption, you in theory would experience less rejection as an adoptee, because you still have that connection with your birth mother, and you understand why you were placed for adoption, and why that was the best choice for all involved. Right. So with adoptee, and for anybody, if you are feeling rejected, that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody has rejected you. It means that you can identify with not being a part of a certain group, entity, family, et cetera. Experiencing those feelings of not feeling wanted may be exacerbated if, if a child doesn't know their adoption story, if they don't understand why they were placed for adoption they may have the feelings of, you know, what's wrong with me? Why why was I placed for adoption? And that was one of the core issues that my birth mother was worried about with me mm -hmm. because she had me, placed me for adoption, and then she had two brothers after me, which she actually parented and raised. And so she was really worried that when I found her, I would feel rejected because I had been placed for adoption and my brothers hadn't. And I didn't whatsoever. That wasn't something that I experienced. And I'm able to share that with other birth mothers that we work with that have also either have children currently in their home or they want to have children afterwards. Well, and a lot of that has to do with, like, for instance, you were the first child. She wasn't prepared for a child at that time. That doesn't mean she's never going to be prepared for a child. <laughs> you know, she grows and matures. So Correct. Absolutely. And for those of you who haven't listened to previous podcasts, my birth mother was 16. So that's why we're referring to her needing to mature and grow and get older right. to be able to be the parent that she wanted to be. For adoptive families, some examples that they may feel rejection wise is, you know, if they're at the hospital and they're in labor and delivery and they're, you know, asked by the nurse to step out, or maybe the birth mother doesn't want them in the room at the time when she actually delivers the baby. 
They could feel a sense of rejection then. They could feel a sense of rejection when they have to fill out a medical form if they're unaware of all of the medical history. Another example of rejection could be if there is an open adoption and the adoptive mother is feeling jealousy maybe towards the relationship between the birth mother and the child. Mm -hmm. So those are some examples of rejection on the adoptive family side. Now, how about when the child gets a little bit older, say in the teen years, and, you know, we all say things we regret at some point, and they say something to their adoptive parents along the lines of, you're not my real mom, things like that, that of course would bring a rejection feeling. Oh, absolutely it would. I think that's a really good point because, yeah, absolutely that could happen. Okay. That would instill that rejection uh, feeling. And I don't think there's a person on earth who likes the feeling of being rejected. Right. All right. So the next one is shame and guilt. Shame and guilt can impact somebody's self-esteem, their self-worth, and also may create anxiety. So shame is what relates to oneself. Shame is the feeling that somebody is undeserving and they are not a good person. They may feel less worthy. Those things are huge. And guilt is something that is projected onto others. So it's external. It's external, correct. Mm -hmm. And what's really important is that guilt can develop from our earliest parent-child attachment experiences. That's why we have heard of the importance of the primary parent-child relationship. Because the theory is, is that if a child can attach to somebody very early on, as a, a baby, a newborn, then they will go on to be able to experience positive attachments and good attachments with other caregivers, other parents in the future. So when you know, back in the 70s and 80s and even 90s and even today, but less and less and less. We see all these pictures of orphanages and children in cribs and babies in cribs. And they're overflowing in these orphanages. So there's not enough one-on-one caretakers. So they're not establishing a primary bond with a caregiver. And out of that resulted in like reactive attachment disorder, which was nicknamed RAD. And so by a child being able to form a primary attachment with the adoptive mother from birth, that is going to negate a lot of the the shame and guilt as the child gets over it. That's the hope and the intent. Is it going to be across the board? Of course not. But the studies have shown us that as long as you can make that primary attachment, you are going to be much better served for the rest of your life. So guilt is a learned social emotion. Consistency, secure, and healthy primary attachment relationships allow the child to experience and internalize the adoptive mother and father's values and beliefs. And that's how the conscience develops. And the conscience allows for guilt to be felt. And so again, this is why it's so important that if you have an understanding of shame and guilt, because again, shame is something you project onto yourself. And guilt is something that is projected onto others. So let's talk about how each member of the triad may experience these. As a birth, the birth mother and birth father, they may have shame that they weren't able to provide 
uh, a home and be a parent for the child that they're placing for adoption. And they may feel guilty that somebody else is raising the child that they, that they brought into the world. And why those are really intense and difficult feelings and emotions to have at the same time, they're doing something beautiful and they're doing something amazing. And that's what needs to be reminded to them and celebrated. Right. You need to focus on that and, and show them, Hey, this isn't something you should feel guilty for. It's something you should be proud that you're bestowing this blessing onto all the other, all the parts of the triad, really. Exactly. Let's go to an example for the adoptee. So if adoption information is withheld from the child, then the child is left wondering, you know, why don't I know why I was placed for adoption? And there is going to be shame Mm -hmm. um, possibly on them because they're going to wonder what they, you know, is something wrong with me? Did I do something wrong? Am I, am I not a good child? Am I, you know, why what's going on? And then, you know, they may feel guilty for maybe they feel like, you know, why are my parents having to deal with me like this when I don't understand what's going on? Or maybe they feel uh, guilt towards their biological parents for loving their adoptive parents. I mean, there's lots of ways that shame and guilt can be conjured in situations like this. Mm-hmm. Regarding adoptive mothers and fathers, there may be some shame felt when they are standing up at the child's high school uh, graduation Mm-hmm. And maybe they're thinking, you know, I I am so proud of of my child, but I feel like I'm taking responsibility when I didn't give birth to this child. I've raised this child. I parented this child. I love this child as my own. But I feel like I'm taking, you know, the glory and acceptance on behalf of somebody else. And with guilt, maybe they feel like they're stealing a moment from a biological parent. Yeah, they, these are- all, they all make sense. But they can all, if you have the right influences in your life, kind of be told, hey, you shouldn't feel this way, what you're doing. Again, it's a beautiful thing and what you've done with this child and so on, you know, and the child as well. If if they have the right support around them, these can all be at least minimized, maybe even completely gotten rid of. Correct. And that's why it's so important that we address these seven core issues as we're continuing, you know, down the line, because these are things that are fixable. These are things that you can correct, that you can potentially avoid as you are in the adoption triad, you know, regardless of which angle you're experiencing the adoption from. All right. So grief. Grief is something that I think everybody in the adoption triad may at some point in their life encounter regarding their adoption. So for a birth mother, when she and the birth father place the baby for adoption, they are going to experience grief. That's going to be almost inevitable at some level. For some, it may be very high and very intense. For other birth parents, it may not be because they have come to an acceptance point that this is the best decision for them. And counseling for all of these core issues is key. You know, if you work with a counselor throughout your child's years, school years, even sooner if you choose to, and just have somebody to touch base on like, hey, we're hitting this issue now. And, you know, the child already has a relationship with a counselor. Maybe you do some check-ins during the year. That point, you can nail that issue, address it, and continue to move forward along, you know, the adoption journey, which only begins at the time that the birth mother makes an adoption choice. And it's a lifelong journey for these members of the triad. For grief for the adoptive 
child, maybe there are siblings. Maybe they are going to grieve when they get older that they weren't raised together. They can still have a relationship, but it's not the same as if they were raised in the same household. Maybe there is some grief if the birth father is not involved in the adoption and they don't get to know who the birth father is or have a relationship at all with him. For the adoptive family, they may have arrived at adoption as the way to create a family because they were unable to biologically give birth. And so they chose adoption as a means to build their family. And they may grieve over, as we discussed earlier, maybe the genetic components or the Mm -hmm. feeling of pregnant or the feeling of giving birth to the beautiful child that they just adopted. The next one is identity. Identity is exceedingly important. I think that this one, in my opinion, would be the most felt by the adoptee. But let's start and go through the three and see what we can what we can come up with. All right. So for the birth parents, the birth mom, maybe the birth father, when it comes to their identity, even though they place a child for adoption, they are still a mother. And we explain this to every woman that we work with. Mm-hmm. Just because you place your child for adoption does not negate the fact that you are biologically a mother. You have given birth. You have a child. And I think that for some uh, birth mothers or birth fathers that are not as open about their adoption choice, they may be confused as to when somebody asks them, how many children do you have? They may wonder, do I count the child? that I deliver in place for adoption or do I just count the ones that I'm raising? Mm -hmm. And I personally think that adoptions should be celebrated. So I think they should count the child that they place for adoption. Right. And I know that because I was in a closed adoption, when I found my birth mother, she had my picture along with my brother's pictures and she showed anybody that would listen to her about her three children and she would show pictures and ask them if we looked alike. And she, and so there are ways that she was able to, I guess, redefine her identity because I had been kept a secret. And so she wasn't able to talk about me for the adoptee. Again, with an open adoption, they're going to understand their identity a lot better. They're going to understand where they came from, what their Mm -hmm. genetic component makeup looks like, what their biology is. When you have a closed adoption or you don't have a lot of information, maybe because of an international adoption, you don't have all that information. And so it can be very confusing for an adoptee. I know that because mine was closed and I had not met my birth mother face to face, I remember as I'm getting on the airplane thinking, when I find her, am I going to find another version of myself? And in bits and pieces, I did. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what I thought. You know, hmm. some of the mannerisms I had, I have like little tiny, you can't see them unless you look really close, but like brown spots in my eye. Cause I have um, blue eyes. So in the blue part, there are like little brown spots and she oh. has the same little brown spots, which I thought was fascinating. Our tempers are similar. We have certain likes and dislikes for food, things like that. And it was, it was a little, you know, like, wow. Yeah. You, you definitely see. That heritage, whether it be physical or even like ticks or things you do or things like that. Yeah, that's neat. It, it was. And for somebody who had a close adoption, some of the things that I found out were just 
fascinating. I mean, fascinating. Like my two brothers and I can all, um, we all have double joint. I don't know if it's really double jointed, but people call it double jointed fingers. All of us do. Um, we all dislike seafood and I was, you know, lived half of my childhood in San Diego. Right. <laughs> and none of us like seafood. Um, wow. we're all very picky eaters. Now very all good. your adoptive family, they all like seafood, I assume. Yes. yes. <laughs> they do. They do. So there's a little rejection there feeling, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> chicken nuggets and everybody else is having, you know, lobster. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that definitely clarified personally my sense of identity. And I was able to learn about my heritage and nationality. And, you know, and today, even if you have a close adoption with 23andMe and those other ancestries, mm -hmm. you can learn all about your identity as well in a kind of different avenue. Right. For the adoptive parents, a sense of identity may be projecting their own feelings onto their adopted child. Like, this is our family. We have adopted this child. So, you know, we are the Smiths, but this child is is adopted. Maybe the child is a different race. So then the, you know, there's clearly, you know, there has been an adoption that has taken place. That may make them a little confusing, especially if they have biological and adopted children and they're intermixed in their family. Mm -hmm. Then they may cause some feelings of what the true identity of the family is. Number six is intimacy. So intimacy is really what somebody is and what they need out of a relationship to believe that they have value to themselves. And so in order to have an intimate relationship with somebody, whether it is a future partner or a parent or a best friend, or a sister, or a boyfriend. Those relationships require trust, respect, acceptance, reciprocity, and empathy. So when you are looking at how intimacy may be an issue for a birth mother, an adoptee, an adoptive mother, when someone experiences a loss, and that core loss changed their identity like adoption. Mm -hmm. So the loss of a birth mother placing a baby for adoption and then being adopted by an adoptive mother. The birth mother experiences the loss of the child. The child experiences the loss of the mother and the adoptive mother is able to raise the child. So where intimacy comes into play and, and the impact of whatever issue has on intimacy is you as a person, if you show up at your mother's front door and you have all of your bags packed and they're all with you and each suitcase represents a feeling or emotion or something that has happened to you. So let's mm -hmm. say you have shame because you are two hours later than you wanted to be. So there's a suitcase of shame. There is a suitcase right next to you because you lost your laptop on the way. So you have another suitcase for loss. You have to move to your mother's house because your wife and you aren't getting, this is just an example, aren't right. getting along. And so you feel rejected because you had you left the home and you are now going back to your mother's house. So you have all these, these suitcases of issues and emotions and experiences. And so all of those are gonna come into play 
on the relationship that you are able or unable to develop with somebody else. And that's intimacy. You know, are you able to trust somebody? Are they able to trust you in return? Are you able to show feelings of love? How does that look? What part do all these issues play into it? Mm -hmm. So if you have experienced relationship trauma, if you have been a child that, let's say we're talking about a foster child that has moved to lots of different foster families, you may experience difficulty in having intimate relationships with other people without going through, you know, some treatment and counseling because you don't know how to relate to them, how to trust them, how to experience that bond with them, which again goes back to if you can establish a primary bond with somebody, then that bond, that ability to bond with somebody can be transferred to other people. So Um, this is all kind of a culmination of almost all the other things we've talked about and how it impacts you and how you relate to other people. Right. Intimacy is an absolutely huge issue Mm -hmm. if you think about what it all encompasses. So some examples, like I said, would be if you're a birth mother, many birth mothers, not all, but many birth mothers bond with their their baby when their baby is growing inside of them. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel the baby kick, they'll rub their, their belly, they will sometimes talk to the baby, and they develop a bond with the baby. And they are at that point intimate with the baby because that's that's important to them. They will experience a loss when they place the baby for adoption, but they lose that intimate connection with the baby. With the adoptee, they have lost that intimate relationship with their birth mother and they are now going to hopefully attach with, and in most cases they do, with right. the adoptive mom. The adoptive mother, again, is going to bring in, because she's not a newborn, the issues from her past, just like you showing up at, you know, if you were showing up at your own mother's door with your suitcases. And so an adoptive mom has to be able to relate, trust, have those feelings to bond with the child. So intimacy is a topic that at some point in the podcast, we should just focus on that topic as a whole. Mm -hmm. And these are so important that I think we do at some point need to go back and revisit them because there's so much more that we can discuss. So the last one is mastery and control. Regarding mastery and control, from a birth mother's perspective and reality, she loses the ability to control every aspect of parenting the child that she's placing for adoption. Mm -hmm. She's not able to maintain all of the parenting guidance that she may want to instill, all of the traditions that she wants to instill and portray. She may not be able to have the childhood exactly how she would envision doing it herself. She she loses control and she's not able to hold on to everything. For the adoptee, they also lose the mastery and control because they are placed by the birth parent with the adoptive family and they don't have a say as a newborn in that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, when children get older and they're adopted in the court, the judges at a certain age will often ask them, you know, do you want to be adopted by Miss Smith and Mr. Mm-hmm. Smith? As a newborn, that's not something that they are able to to state. And the early loss of control that moved them from one family to another, again, is just a reinforcement of their own loss, but the loss of control, the loss of 
that biological family. Now, does that differ for an adoptive child? I mean, obviously there's a different dynamic, but don't all kids kind of have that feeling of, I didn't choose to be born into this family. You know, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family kind of thing. I think that's a really good point. These core issues in adoption are not solely for adoption. Right. These are experienced by the adoption triad in some form or fashion. But yes, this is these are universal feelings and issues. Right. Okay. Not subjected to adoption. So absolutely. Mastering control for an adoptive parent. Um, there may be definite things out of their control and reach that they do encounter and they have to deal with. Maybe they are a white couple that adopted a black child and maybe the adoptive mother has no idea how to do the child's hair. And so she has to go to somebody who does understand how to take care of the hair and, mm-hmm. and teach her. And that's out of her control because that's not, not something that she was born knowing or she grew up knowing how to do. Okay. Uh, she may have, when the child turns 18 and regardless of whether or not it is an open adoption. Maybe the child is able to access their adoption records. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not something that as an adoptive mom or adoptive dad that they were looking forward to. And yet it's outside of their control. And it's not something that the adoptive family could continue to hold as something that they didn't want to occur. Right. And so that, would, you know, I think as humankind, I think we don't like feeling a loss of control, regardless of what age we are, once we understand what control is. And I don't think that adoption is any, by any means, an exception to that rule. I think that, you know, as a society, we all experience loss at some time. We all have experienced rejection, or, and if we haven't, we probably will before our lives are over. Mm-hmm. Uh, shame and guilt are not uncommon feelings, again, across the board. I think just growing up in society at some point, you may very well feel shame and guilt. Unfortunately, grief is something that probably most, if not all of us, have encountered or will encounter. Um, Identity, I think, is definitely something that teenagers as a whole, regardless of their adoption status, really experience as they're growing older. You know, they're leaving their childhood. They're moving into more of an adult body, an adult mindset, and expectations on them are changing as well. And so their sense of identity is probably changing. I can't tell you, you know, with having raising seven kids, how many times I've heard, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. I don't know what major I want to choose for college. I don't know where I want to work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know who I am. You know, so they experience these these feelings of who am I and what am I doing? Where am I going? And and what do I want? And so, yes, intimacy is something I think that is so important, clearly, relational wise, because that is going to not only project the rest of your life for you, but they say there was a study that came out and it, it said, you know, the most important thing you can do in life is choose the right partner. And so I think that understanding that is important and the ability to choose the right partner you want to make sure that you have the ability to form an intimate relationship as mm-hmm. does the partner that you choose so again that's not solely related to adoption mastery and control as we just talked about that's a universal issue that people experience regardless of their adoption status so these seven issues 
should not deter anybody from choosing adoption, regardless of what angle of the triad you're coming from, because you're going to most likely experience these issues in life regardless. And being adopted may put a little twist on it, but that's what professionals are here for. You know, it's not just adoption. I'm sure, and I know that there are other ways to experience these seven issues outside of the average population and being adopted. So if something in your life happens, maybe at a very young age, and maybe you have your grandmother move in and your grandmother becomes the primary caretaker of the children while both parents are working, you may experience these issues as if you were adopted. Mm -hmm. If you are the biological mother and having to have your husband's mother help raise your kids while you're at work, you're going to experience a lot of this. And for the grandmother, she may also experience some of this. You know, maybe this isn't what she wanted to do with her life. Maybe right. there's an She might be thinking, hey, I've raised my kids. What am I doing right. here? Right. <laughs> so again, these aren't subject to solely being about adoption. But I think that they're important. I think that they're um, definitely issues that we need to look at in the future while we do the podcast and really bring awareness to how to work through these. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can reach us on our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and tell your friends about us. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.